Welcome to the Living Hope Podcast. Living Hope Fellowship is a church located in Lexington, Kentucky. You'll find that we're more than just a church, but we're also a family. You can learn more about the ministries of Living Hope Fellowship at www.lhfellowship.com. Now, here's today's message. So this morning, uh, we're continuing in a series that uh, announced three weeks ago uh, of the indwelling presence of God. Um, you know, my, my mind just runs all over the place when I get into this topic because there's so much in the Word of God about this. I mean, you understand when you're taking a class somewhere, if there's something repeated over and over and over, it's pretty important, right? And this is all over the Word of God about how desperately we need to learn dependence on the indwelling presence of God that God has placed in us so that we might be able to walk with Him. If we don't learn this, this issue of learning how to walk in submission to the indwelling presence of God, we will never be able to fully enjoy the relationship the way God wants us to enjoy it. It's not as if that, you know, our salvation's, you know, uh, going to be lost. That's not the issue. It's that you won't be able to enjoy it. It's like the glove that Pastor Derek, wasn't that a good job? The glove that Pastor Derek shared with us. It's like having that glove with no hand inside it. Even though, as a believer, the hand is inside it. Here's what happens for a lot. If I had a glove, I'd put it on. Here's what happens for a lot of believers. The glove is filled up with the hand of Christ. He's there. But they have become so... You ever put on a glove that was frozen in the snow? It's kind of like that. You know, here in dwelling in us is the presence of God to make us useful to Him but we've become so stiff, so hard-hearted. Last week I spoke a lot about that, about the whole idea of the indwelling presence of God wanting to speak to us, guide us, lead us, prompt us, use whatever words you want to, essentially fill us so that we might be useful to the Master. But often we become so rigid, stiff, frozen, if you will, that we don't hear His voice. matter of fact, Hebrews talked about that. That we get dull of hearing because of our hardened hearts. Now, we want to we break that cycle, right? And so that's what we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks. This morning, we're going to talk about that same concept as it relates to the idea of God abiding in us, living and dwelling in us. So we, we've used a jump-off verse in uh, Colossians 1.27 for all these sermons. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glory, glorious wealth of his mystery, which is this. And it is a mystery. I mean, try to get your mind wrapped around this. God would take up residence in a human being. And let's make it even a greater ministry, uh, mystery. A human being like this. Why would God do that? For your good, and believe it or not, for his good. That he might be able to reveal his glory through this to others. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we're talking about that, and we're looking at what the, the Word of God teaches us about how to live that out. And here's one of the things that hit my heart about 40 years ago when I started you know, trying to fulfill the, God, the call that God had placed on my heart. I began to preach the Word of God, and I, you know, I, I realized that there ought to be a beeline to the cross in every sermon. What's that mean? Well, we ought to understand how we know Christ is the only way to a relationship with God. But then I began to be aware that a lot of my buddies, that's all they preached every Sunday to the same group who were professing to already know Him. And I began to realize that there were these tremendous amount of sermons over and over and over and over saying the same thing to the same people over and over and over, and so there wasn't much depth happening in the body of Christ. And so God spoke to my heart. I, I just broke my heart, and I realized, Lord, that means I'm going to have to study the Bible a lot more. <laughs> you know, I need to know more than just Jesus comes into my life and saves me. Hey, listen, that's the key message, no doubt. When I say more than just, I don't mean to diminish I mean, that's the beginning, is what I mean. And in, in relationship with God, there is just this tremendous 
you know, basket full of stuff, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, you know. It's just the, the gush, gush well that overflows, right? You know, we got all these sermons that we can have these memories about. So this morning, we're kind of going off of that end a little bit more. What is it that God has called us into? He's called us into a relationship where He chooses to indwell you, to take up residence in you. And he came in to take up residence, not as a tenant. We talked about that. He wants to own you. He doesn't pull any punches about that. Unless he owns you, you won't enjoy the relationship the way it's intended to be. So that was settled. And then as he owns you, he gets to call the shots, so you better learn how to hear his calling, right? And so we talked a little bit about that, that he speaks to us in a thousand different ways. We get all bent out of shape sometimes because of all these different phrases that some people have been out of shape. God told me, oh boy, that guy's off the deep end. He's telling everybody God told me something. Well, we use a phrase like that, but it's, very, it's no different than the person that says, God led me. And it's no different than the person that says, well, God showed me in the Word of God. And it's no different than a person that says, you know, God is directing me. I mean, we just use different terminology. The idea is this, God wants to lead you. And He has created a way in doing that, and so you need to learn how to hear Him. And see Him at work in so many ways. And so that was the indwelling presence's focus last week. Today we're looking at the indwelling presence as it relates to abiding inside of us. Now this term, this phrase abiding, can mean a lot of things. It's very basic, very simple. Uh, let's jump off with this verse in John chapter 14, verse 17. It says this, That is the Spirit, Jesus speaking of the Spirit coming, That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see Him or know Him, but you know Him. How did they know him? Because he was inside of him whom they were walking with. And he abides with you. I'm right here with you. And there he says it. And will be in you. Inside of you. Abiding in you. What does that mean? That word abiding is really simple. It really means this, if you break it down in the Greek language, to remain in you, that sounds similar to something Jesus said, never leave you, nor forsake you, I'm with you always. To live in you, as in taking up residence, behold, I stand at the door knocking, if any man open the door, I will come in and sup with him, live with him, eat with him. I'm going to be your very life, he talks about, being the bread of life, that whole context continue with you all these are phrases out of the greek language that illustrate the word abide and so we want to get into that concept this morning about what does it really mean for god to abide in me and what's god up to what's god's goal and purpose as he seeks to abide in me the indwelling presence of god abides in you so that you may abide in him that sounds like a little bit of a play on words, but it's not. It's one thing for God to come take up residence in you and living his life in you. Another question is, are you living your life in him? Hmm. The scripture says that you are hidden with Christ in God. Wait a minute, that sounds backwards. But that's what it says in Colossians 3. My life is hidden with Christ in God. So there is this interaction of living in one another that's to be going on inside the believer. And this abiding is a, a remaining, continual, uh, just life, constant relationship with God that's supposed to be taking place. The indwelling presence of God abides in you for some purposes. Here's the first one that I want to share with you, for the purpose of teaching you to abide in Him. Now that, just stick with me. I know that might sound a little bit confusing so far, but the idea is that as God comes to dwell in you, His purpose in doing that is to teach you how to dwell in Him. To teach you how to know that you're living a life totally 
unapart from God. You don't live your own life anymore. You live the life that he lives in you. Now, there's all kinds of verses about this. If you want me to share them all, we're going to be here a long time. So I'm, I'm just sharing some of it right now, right? But that's the goal, that you might be taught by him. Jesus said that as you read that context in John chapter uh, uh, 15. We'll get to some of that later. But let's just look at this verse in 1 John 2, 17. As for you, the anointing which you received, and we're going to come back to talking about this anointing for a second, but the anointing which you received from him, that's God, abides in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. Well, I'm glad you said that, preacher. I'm going to check you off right now and turn you out. No, that's not, that's not the context here, okay? In the sense that his indwelling presence in you will affirm and confirm and, and reveal truth to you. That's what the context of that is. So you have no reason for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you, you uh, about all things and and is true and is not a lie and just as as it has taught you you abide in him so this anointing of god and we can break down what the whole anointing is all about i mean there's this, there's a lot of theology out there that has kind of taken this word and run crazy with it okay but from the context of this scripture the anointing of God on my life is his presence inside of me. That's his anointing on me. And that anointing, and if you look in some, some of these ideas of, that chase the, the context of the word anointing into a whole, whole doctrinal theology, it's all about God's pouring out on them his power for a purpose. Well, in that context, in this verse, is certainly true in the presence of his Holy Spirit in you, Correct. God has poured out on you his presence inside of you even now for the purpose of being useful to the Lord. And so in this whole idea of abiding, God's abiding in you is really aimed at teaching you how to abide in him. That is at the end there. And just as it has taught you, what do you mean? That's, that's what he's doing. He's teaching you abide in him. Jesus said, as, as the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to teach you what? Everything that I commanded you. His goal is to be constantly teaching us how to walk in the Lord. Now, here's the interesting thing. Not every believer functions under um, submission to the tutor, even though every believer has the tutor. Every believer that has come to Christ, honestly, has moved into their life the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. He now resides there. And his goal is to do this, constantly teach you everything that God would want you to know about how to live life and walk with him. And I mean it's a trajectory like this unless something happens. What do you think might mess up that trajectory? What if that teacher teaches you something and, and gives you clarity about what, what's right in the Lord and you choose not to listen? You ever watch this? Y'all watch what, stock market? Yeah, okay. They're like that, you know. It's, it's kind of like that. You know, there, there, there's always some cash in the account, so to speak. The Holy Spirit's never leaving you, never forsaking you. He's always going to be there. But the benefit of the trajectory in your life and relationship with God can go like this. And it's all going to be about how you respond to the teacher of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if you really want to enjoy the relationship with God the way he intends you to, there has to be some understanding that you know his indwelling presence is there for the purpose of teaching me how to live life with God, how to abide with him. How to have my dwelling with him. Well, this idea of abiding, living with, continuing and staying and remaining. His goal is to live in me in order to develop a desire that I would live in him. For the life I now live, 
I live by the power of the faith of, son of, God, of the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. So I have a life to live, but it's his life, and I want to live that life unto him. For your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's his life that I want to live. So I've got to learn how to do that. And so his Holy Spirit is placed inside of me for that purpose, to be the source of life itself for me. I don't know about you. Well, I probably do. I probably know more about you than you think I know. Because you're a person <laughs> that lives and breathes just like me. And here's what we're prone to do in our humanity. We're prone to think we got it. And we start going on our own. We start figuring it out on our own. And soon we end up just like happened to the Galatians. Pretty soon we start thinking even though we began in the spirit, we're going to get perfected in the flesh. Now we got it. Yeah, thank you, Brother Chris. I've heard about this Holy Spirit living in me. I've heard that sermon. I, I got that checked off. I got this. I'm going on. And in reality, what happens often is that we become arrogant about that. We become hardened to that idea. We're no longer sup, subtle is the word, I guess. The, we're not pliable to the Holy Spirit anymore. And so pretty soon, we're becoming dull of hearing, hardened of heart, and not being led as we ought to be led. Because we're not submitting to the tutor. That's the goal in John 15, verses 2 through 5. Jesus makes it clear, right? Let's look at these verses. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Hmm, that sounds fun. We'll come back to that. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. Hmm. Both of these are to be happening. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You're the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, Pastor Derek quoted this a moment ago, apart from me, you can do nothing. Not of any lasting eternal significance. Nothing. So here's the goal. Step one. Here's the goal of the abiding presence of God in you. The indwelling presence of God abides in you that he might teach you how to abide in him. How to live this life in God unseparated in any form or fashion. That I'm walking fully with the awareness of his presence. Well, let's go a step further. The indwelling presence of God abides in you to embrace, with, uh, abides with you and in you to embrace the character traits of his in, internal abiding. And that sounds a little kind of wordy, but let me kind of explain it out a little bit. His goal in teaching you is to do everything that Jesus did, to show every part of life that Jesus lived, to remind you everything that Jesus taught, to let God's presence become the dominant presence in you that kind of comes out of you so that the world may know who you are. I mean, we've got all kinds of scriptures to support those concepts, right? I mean, your mind's probably running to some of them. So in so doing, his goal is that those character traits of who he is might truly be alive in you and that this is what people see and this is what people become known to be who are known as Christians a lot of sermons here my mind's wanting to run on and start preaching but I know I'm not supposed to do that right now so let's talk about some of the character traits what are some of the character traits of the embodying of the abiding internal dwelling of the Lord that he wants to create in you what should be the character traits of you relating to the Holy Spirit's indwelling any of them come to your mind what do you think it should look like how should you be relating to what should be coming out of your life as it relates to his presence in you well, let's let's paint it another way so that you can get a, a better handle on your mind how did Jesus live this life how did Jesus live life in his humanity in the world? Because the, wor the word tells us that he lived just as we are living. In all ways like as we are yet without sin. But how did he relate to the Holy Spirit that indwelled him as the Godhead? 
He obeyed him. Boy, you, that's my straight man right there. We're getting there, okay? <laughs> We're going to end up on that one. That's the big deal. But is somebody else something? Service came through his life. He laid down his life to serve others. Peace. Somebody said, in, in the sense of functioning under his peace. There was trust and faith. We're coming back to that as well. How about this idea of dependence? I don't do anything unless the Father does it. I really want to be under his authority in my life. How about the part we read a minute ago? The willingness to be pruned. We love that part, right? But sometimes that's what has to happen. How about bearing fruit? I mean, as a character trait, I'm going to bear fruit because that's what a healthy vine does, right? All of these are things that God wants coming out of our life. Let's look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 24. The one who keeps his commandments abides in him. And he in him. So we're talking about you learning how to abide in him as well as him abiding in you. And as you learn to abide in him, there's something that's going to be a character trait immediately come out of your life that Jose just told us about called obedience doesn't matter what the topic is doesn't matter how hard it is doesn't matter I mean, all those things are on the table but they're not the issue the issue is I'm going to obey so uh, that I might obey uh, let me go back to the beginning because I'm getting tongue-tied the one who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him we know by this that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us so one of the primary things that's going to happen in our life as we are submitted to the indwelling presence of God in us is we're going, to, we're going to take on this character trait of obedience. We're going to learn how to go deeper into submission of the things that would honor God in our life. Listen, this is where a lot of preachers over the years have seen the, the eyes of the people check out. Because we don't like anybody telling us what to do. And sad to say, not even God. We want to find our caveats to that as much as we possibly can. Yeah, I want to obey God, but God knows if this is going on or that's going on, or this is a tough thing or that's a tough thing. And that's none of the stuff being talked about here. What's being talked about here is the overwhelming agreement to submission to him and walking in obedience. I'm going to tell you something. One of the greatest times in my life that happened in my walk with the Lord was when I understood that if I gave up authority, that there would be no more battle. And you know that internal battle you struggle with? I know, because I've had it. You know that internal battle you struggle with when God's trying to lead you to do something and he's asked you to be this or be that or don't do this or don't do that or get this part of your life settled or that part of your life settled and you begun with all the stuff of all the reasons why it can't be so for me. You know, God knows who I am. That's just who I am. Well, that's just who he doesn't want you to be, okay? <laughs> he's trying to help you to move away from that. But we give all these things and reasons and the battles there because we think we have a fight. We think we have a part to play in that. But if you can get past that to the place of saying, I understand and ob abiding with you, Lord, means I'm surrendering my life to you, and my issue is just this. You know what Miss Billy would say if she's sitting right here? Who knows? Trust and obey. She would say that. Because that, it's that simple. It's that simple. The issue is not whether I want to debate God on those things that's tough for me to obey. The issue should be, I am going to obey. God, show me how I deal with that. What do I need to adjust? How do I need to handle that? What's the plan for me to get there? Lord, I want to learn to trust you in the midst of that on how to get there. Not, not debating whether I'm going to obey. You've got to get past that. The indwelling presence of God is calling us to walk in agreement with the commandments and the direction of the Holy Spirit living within us. And so if we can just settle that part of it, okay, as you show me what to obey, I will obey. Done deal. Okay, but this part's hard. How do I do this? Hey, 
Start asking him that stuff, and guess what he's going to do? He's going to start showing you. <laughs> and he's going to start giving you courage because he wants that in you more than you want that in you. And he's going to start, you know, start you down a road of being able to experience this relationship of victory in your life to submission to obedience. It's going to be a good thing. How do you get there, though? It's hard sometimes for us because we are struggling because we want to take control ourselves. And, and we kind of think we got it figured out. Now that he's in us, we can just live our own way. But it's not what he's after in us. So the one who's keeping his commandments is, is abiding in him. So how do we get to that place of keeping his commandments? I mean, if we say we understand that, how can we see in the body of Christ so much the lack of that truly taking place? I mean, if there's supposed to be growth in this idea of submission and obedience, how come as a whole the body of Christ is not necessarily known for that today? Have you realized that? In the, in the world's eyes, do you know that they don't necessarily see the body of Christ as a unified group submitted under one master? <laughs> They're often looking at us quite the contrary as a disunified group bickering over everything. How can that be? How do we get past that? Because that's where God wants to take us. And then the indwelling presence of God is there to get us to that place. What we're really talking about is discipleship now. How do we become more like our master? How do we really get to that place that the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence is guiding us into obedience? And we're seeing victory in our life in that on a daily basis. I mean, really, isn't a vine that grows supposed to produce fruit? And we've already seen that, right? Let's talk about one more step in this process. The indwelling presence of God abides in you to reveal the true path to discipleship. Because that's what we're talking about right now. He's wanting to produce disciples not disciples to an individual. I'm a little bit bent out of shape about that terminology that's going on in the body of Christ today. Everybody's talking about their disciples. That just, that just kind of runs down my spine a little bit. <laughs> Listen, if you're going to be somebody's disciple, it better be Jesus's. Not somebody else's, okay? I get it that anybody that's being taught by somebody else, in some degree, they're being discipled by them. I get all that. But we better be real careful that we don't create disciples unto ourselves. We want disciples unto Jesus Christ, okay? And so that's the goal of the Holy Spirit in you, that you might become a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. The true path of discipleship is this. It is a life of faith mixed with obedience. Stop and think about that for a second. This is the purpose of the indwelling presence of God in you, that you might get to the place that as a disciple you are maturing because you are walking in faith mixed with obedience. Now that's important. The way we're talking about this right now is kind of important because uh, we really can't mature in our relationship with God if we don't get to this place. Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. He said to them, all the men that will come after me, or later he's going to call them disciples, all those who would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Deny himself, I'm not in charge anymore, obedience to him. Take up his cross daily, willingness again to die to myself and follow him. Well, okay, tell me how i got to follow. No, no, there's some faith involved in that. <laughs> He's not saying, follow me as I describe it to you and you feel comfortable with it. <laughs> He's saying, he's calling for a carte blanche faith walk in that statement and that's what God's called us to as disciples discipleship will never come from a book or from a sermon it won't discipleship will only come from faith mixed with obedience your submission to the Holy Spirit in your, uh, of God in your life to the point that you will walk in faith with him and walk in obedience with him. True discipleship is found in following 
and then knowing. We've got a backwards going on all around the world right now. All around the world, what's going on in Christian circles is, you need to know, you need to know, you need to know. Get your book, check it off, learn it, get that study settled. Let's go get another one. You need to have this guy's list of discipleship concepts in your mind too, so you get that all down. And once you get all that knowledge, you'll become a good disciple. It's backwards. It's backwards. True discipleship comes by following and then knowing. These guys started following Jesus, and boy, they became convinced as they followed. Quit waiting to get it all figured out before you surrender. <laughs> Listen, none of you all came to Christ and gave your heart to Jesus Christ because you fully understood everything he accomplished on the cross. <laughs> you came to Christ because you knew you had a need and you couldn't see anything else filling that need, and someone told you about how Jesus filled the need in their life, and you surrendered to that, you didn't know it all. You didn't have it all figured out. Does anybody here yet have the full understanding of sal salvation figured out? I don't. But I took that step of faith. And as I did, I had to choose to obey to lay down my life. And as I did... I started getting a lot of knowing <laughs> experientially over time. But in that initial, it wasn't like that, was it? True discipleship is not knowing, then following. True discipleship is following, then knowing. And the Holy Spirit desires to walk in us to the place that we will walk and abide in God because of who He is. See, in our world, we want the intellectual concepts to be there first. And it's backwards. The faith concept has to come first. The walking with him. The abiding life enables us to do before we know. That's a faith life. We say to those things that are not as though they are. Because we do before we know. Why do we do before we know? Because he is. And we've trusted him. So I would just ask you, this sounds a little backwards in the mind of the world. I get that because they're going to say you're going to be a, a mind-numb robot. They're going to say that you've checked your brain at the door. They're going to say all that kind of stuff. But they're not, they're not talking the way we talk. They're talking about a different world. We're talking about a spiritual world, a spiritual man, a spiritual woman. Things that are not talked about as much as they ought to be in the church. <laughs> We're talking about functioning from a goal of submission to the Holy Spirit as opposed to a goal of submission to your intellectual understanding that you have placed a check mark on that now gives God permission to do something in your life. <laughs> We're instead saying God gets to write the list, God gets to make the, uh, the rules and the guidelines, and you've already settled, I'll go there because I'm submitted to you and your Holy Spirit in me. And as you're doing that, he begins to reveal the knowing. Now, now, after many years of that, many of you are at this place. Well, I just know I'm saved. I just know he's real. I just know he's powerful. I just know he can change your life. I just know and you on, 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 on. How do you know that? Well, because I studied it all. That's not how you know that. You know that because you've experienced it. Somewhere along the way, you walked into it before you knew it. And now that you've been walking in it, you know it. But see, that's a step of faith. And so many people don't want to walk into it until they think they know it. It's a faith walk. And the Holy Spirit is calling us to that as he indwells us. Calling us to walk in faith, even if it means obeying some things that are hard in our flesh. And it will be sometimes. The knowing ends up being a result of the abiding and doing. So you have so many people in the body of Christ that, that have so much doubt, so much struggle about who they really are in the Lord, continuing to try to figure out why God does this, that, and the other thing. And their confidence ends up being dependent upon whether it makes sense to them. Instead of their confidence being dependent upon what they've seen God do already in their life. 
but they haven't the, seen God do in their life yet because they've been unwilling to step forth in faith, doing the things that are hard sometimes, and seeing God confirm and affirm who He is in them. That's the faith walk. So we've got to get that switched back around and get it in the proper perspective, biblically speaking. That we would choose in submission to the presence of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, to be willing to abide with God as He abides in us, and walk in the concept of obedience and faith to where it brings us to the life of this is what a true disciple looks like. We walk in faith and obedience, mixed together constantly. On the basis of the promise of the believer, on the basis of promise, God's promise to you, the believer must first yield, not first study. <laughs> the believer must first yield in faith and obedience and then learn what, is to be, what it is to be led by his presence. Well, let's kind of bring some of these thoughts to a, a climax. Faith trusts the deep workings of the Spirit that is unseen until it becomes evident. That's why we have some of those verses in the Scripture explains that for us. That's why we say things like speaking to those things that are not as though they are. Faith trusts those things that are unseen to be true from the promise of God until they become evident. So you have the whole Hebrews 11 chapter. There's a whole message about all that stuff right there. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach that right now. <laughs> so here's God's goal in this indwelling presence that's calling you to abide in Him just as He abides in you. You're living this life fully in unity with him. That's why Jesus said, I don't do anything but the, what the Father does. I only say what the Father says. That's, when Je that's why Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because we're functioning in this tight unity one with another, almost as if there's no separation at all. That's why we get the concept of the Trinity. It's all because they're constantly in total unification with one another. That's why we say we know he is just one God. That's the kind of unity God is drawing out of us to a relationship with Him by His indwelling presence within us. The indwelling presence of God is aimed at getting us to the place that we walk in total unity with God. There's no more of this. There's just this. And when we get to just this, the battle's over. When we get to just this, we can stay on that trajectory because there's no more pitfalls there unless we succumb and get off track. And boy, praise God, if we do, he's got a plan to get us straightened back out because he knows our frailties. But the potential's there that you can walk as close to the Lord that you, want, you really want to walk. It's a, it, the sky's the limit. How awesome is that? The Holy Spirit placed inside of humanity was revealed to us through Jesus and how to walk in submission. And so we saw the Father living in the Son as Jesus revealed it to us. This, this unity is supposed to take place between the believer and Christ as if they're married together. The scripture has all kind of analogies of this. Actually, this unity of the Spirit that's to take place and be alive in us, that's drawing us to a closer relationship with God by His indwelling presence, is supposed to bring oneness between me and you. Father, I pray that they would learn to get along. We think that's the apex of good Christian living. Who knows the way Jesus, what did Jesus really pray? Here's how deep he said it. Father, I pray that they be one even as we are one. Whoo! You better quit talking bad about your brother or sister. I mean, we're getting serious now, ain't we? <laughs> we're starting to see what God's really after in us. A unity and a relationship with him that totally changes who we are in humanity. And makes us what God wants us to be. Knowing that we have the challenges of humanity still there. And the skid marks of all of its ugly impact. 
And we've got to contend with that, and so we're likely to fall from time to time. But hey, if we sin, we have an advocate with the Father, which is Jesus Christ the righteous. And if that so happens, we can go and confess to the Father, and he will cleanse us from all sin. We need to know that in the personal relationship when mess-ups happen, he's got a plan for that. But the goal is still there. Let's let the goal be clear, that we might walk in unity, one with the Father and one with one another. Don't get any better than that. That's some good stuff. We must, walk, we must walk in that kind of relationship with the, with the Lord God through an attitude of faith and obedience. Then we can begin to experience it the way God wants us to. You, know, you hear a lot of people talking about not being able to know the leadership of the Lord or know the voice of the Holy Spirit or whatever terminology you're going to go on with that. But it's no wonder since they barely know the leadership of the indwelling presence of God. They barely know what it means to walk in submission to his presence in their own life. And so, so to talk about uh, hearing some kind of direction from God on unique situations in life is just bizarre to them. But if we would just at least get to the place that we're going to say, God, as you lead me and as you call me, as you tell me, as you spell out in your word, I'm going to obey it's going to take a faith walk because something's going to be tough. But as that gets settled into our life, you begin to sense the Lord's leadership and all kinds of stuff. Those are the beginning steps. You know, well, I, could, I got all kinds of illustrations going on in my mind. I mean, I have people sometimes talk about, well, you know, I, I've never heard God lead, lead me before, and they're standing next to their Christian spouse. And I just look at them and I say, well, why did you marry that person? Uh, 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 I mean, God didn't lead you to do that? Oh, yeah, of course he did. <laughs> you know, they're not about to say, well, no, I didn't get led to, uh, of course I did. I pray, did you pray about it? My, my, my wife nails me to the wall on this all the time. When I began to second guess some stuff, you know, that, that I felt like God had led me into. And I'll be kind of rehashing it. None of y'all do that, do you? Yeah, okay. I'll be kind of rehashing it and trying to figure out, was I, this really right or not? And, and she'll just always throw out this phrase out of nowhere. Well, didn't you pray about that? And ask God to lead you on that? Yeah. And didn't you tell me, I mean, we talked about this a couple months ago, didn't you tell me you were pretty sure that's what God wanted you to do? Yeah. You think he changed his mind? <laughs> well, no. Quit preaching. No. <laughs> No, I need it. I always tell her thanks. But we get, our, we get our minds all messed up sometimes. Let's break it down and make it a lot simpler. I mean, because I think that's what the Lord's done for us. Let's just choose to abide in Him as He abides in us and walk in unity with Him. And be aware that it's going to involve some obedience and it's going to involve faith and they must go together. Faith shows up in obedience. Chief goal of the one who abides in the chief goal of the one who abides in me is to get my will to abide with the Father's will. The chief goal of the one who who abides in me, who is that Holy Spirit? The chief goal of the one who abides in me is to get my will to abide in the Father's will. I'm going to say it one more time. I want you to really get a hold of that. The chief goal of the indwelling presence of God that abides in me is to get my will to the point that I want the Father's will. Not my will anymore. That's what he's after. When that happens, man, life gets good. So faith, dependence on the abiding presence within me, and obedience are the path to blessing for me in discipleship and being more like my master. You know, that's what discipleship is, right? Jesus defined it for us in case you wondered at all. Discipleship's not information. Discipleship is this. It is enough. Somebody finished the, the Bible verse. It is enough. For the servant to be like his master. 
That's discipleship. That's what Jesus says. The, the servant that really wants to be like his master, and those are talking about in that context in discipleship terms, for the one who's being like his tutor, the one who's going to be submitted to the one that's over him, it's enough for them to be like them. In other words, that's all they really want is to be like him. That's discipleship. That I want to be like him. That's our goal. Let's conclude. Just a few thoughts. We've got to abide the way Jesus abode with the Father. We have that example provided for us in the Scriptures. Isn't it, isn't it wonderful how smart God is? That He would know we need a flesh and blood example to see and follow and have record of it. <laughs> and we've got that in Christ. To be one in nature and life with the Father. That's what you see in the life of Jesus. Just seeking to live life fully under submission and surrender. My life, here's another thought. You want to abide? You want, you want the indwelling presence of God to really enable you to abide in the Father the way he's called you to? Then get it down to this point. My life is his life. And his life is my life. It's Galatians 2.20, just said a little differently. My life is his life. His life is my life. What a great abiding in him that would be. That he has taken over your will and given it up to the will of the Father. That's the goal of the Holy Spirit in us, indwelling us. You know, some pretty cool things happen when that happens. We're going to talk about some of that next week. <laughs> But some pretty cool things happens among them, these two that I'll close, these two thoughts. The branch that's in the vine in a healthy format never quits producing. And you'll bear much fruit. That's what'll happen. Here's another thing. Jesus gives you a little bit of a little bit of a um, teaser, I guess you could say. Jesus is teaching us, you know, through the John 15 passage. And um, I don't know if I had this verse on there, but it's in there in the context. At the end of it, he says, The one who abides in me shall ask anything he wants, and it'll be done for them. I'm going to say something that I read in one of the books of Andrew Murray that I talk about here that he says that I thought, hmm, that's a, that's a really strong statement. And then the more I thought about it, the more I thought I think it's true. He said, you want to know how to check out you, the condition of your abiding life? Check your prayer life. He said, the abiding prayer life, according to Jesus, asks what they want and it's done. I mean, that's what he said. I didn't write it. When I'm abiding in Christ properly, my prayer life is a totally different prayer life. By the way, I, when I'm abiding in Christ properly, I pray the right things. I don't pray it that I might consume it upon my own lust. The scripture talks about that. Okay. When I'm abiding properly, I want what the Father wants, not what I want, so I'm not asking for things that I ought not be asking for. <laughs> the abiding prayer life is full of answers. That honor the Lord. I'm just throwing that out there as a food for thought. That, that makes sense. It's biblical. So what God's called us to. In the indwelling presence of God moving into our life. Is to move into a life that says. Not only do I want to acknowledge. That his life is in me. I want to acknowledge. My entire life. Is wrapped up in who he is. I abide in him as well. I don't have a separate life. Listen, this cuts against modern day humanity because we are so compartmentalized in our living today and we think it's all okay. And it's not. There is no compartmentalization in the life that abides in Christ. In the life that is indwelt by the Spirit. You know what I'm talking about with that, right? Compartmentalization is this idea that you can think you can have this little life going on over here, and this one that's totally different than this one over here is okay because you're in a different setting. 
and you compartmentalize it. You know, I can live this way over here and this way over here and this way over here and this way over here. And that's all all right because they're in their own little spheres and their own little compartments. And so they're not contradictory because of that. That's a lie. They are contradictory because it's one life. And if they're standing in opposition one to another, then something's not, wrong, it's not right. There's a problem. The life of the believer is not a compartmental life. The life of the believer is that he abides in me and I abide in him and we walk in unity one with another so much so that the prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ is answered and true. Do you think there's a chance that that might be tr the, the truth? That the prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ can be taken as being prayed correctly and answered. What do you think chances of that are? You better say 100%. <laughs> okay? And here's what his prayer was. Father, that they might be one, even as we are one. That's what he's after. You up for that? That's what he's after. And man, as we walk in that, this relationship with God, ooh, it just gets better and better. Sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. We sing about that sometimes. Let's pray together. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about having a fulfilling relationship with Jesus Christ, or you would like to know more about our church, you can visit us again at our website, lhfellowship.com. Or if you would like and you are in the Lexington area, please feel free on Sundays to stop by and worship with us. Our services are held each Sunday at 1015 a.m. We would love to see you there. Until next time, take care and walk in the way of grace.